0: Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. Joining Ian and me on the episode is Laura Elizabeth Woollett. Laura's first novel, The Wood of Suicides, was published in the US in early 2014. The same year, she was awarded a Wheeler Center Readings Foundation Hot Desk Fellowship and the John Marsden Hachette Prize for Fiction. In 2015, she was chosen as one of the Melbourne Writers Festival's 30 Under 30 and she also recently wrote the collection of stories The Love of a Bad Man, which is published through Scribe. She is currently at work on her second novel, Beautiful Revolutionary. On today's podcast, we chat about the Melbourne Writers Festival, Bad Questions and Bad People. In the media section, we talk about Stranger Things, Gilmore Girls, Heartland and Hail Caesar, and a weird horse documentary. For the topic we chat about the trend towards anti-heroes and where we see it going. As always, if you have any questions, don't hesitate in getting in touch with me via my email, mailbox at thepenofjoel.com. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. Today we're at the Brunswick Street Bookstore, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ian. How are you going in? Good thanks, Joel. How are you? Good, good. You've made it. Yep. You're made alive. it through the
1: traffic. made it through the uh, through the cold.
0: You're looking very smart today.
1: Thank you. yes. I uh, thought I'd dress up for special occasions such mm-hmm. as this. It's always uh, exciting to be back on the podcast.
0: Yeah. It's also not the truth, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a photo shoot. We, oh, did. Yeah. we did. How was
1: that? Uh, really good. I was able to build on my modeling experience from that one time <laughs> 10 years ago, when someone asked me to model, um, and uh-huh. I, I wasn't asked back. Yeah. Early.
0: You yeah. weren't given the call back. You're
1: no. like you're a natural. They said I'd be better as a writer. I don't know what that meant, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Less what you mean exposure. like never show up in front of a camera <laughs> yeah, again?
0: Just, maybe. Maybe. There you go. <laughs> that's fine. No, it was good. I thought it was good. I always find it weird to smile on smile on camera. Yeah. Um, and Luke uh, apparently Luke had the same experience. Yeah. He's yeah. hovering around here somewhere. Absolutely. Um... But yeah, I think it was good. Hopefully, you'll like the new website, Mm. um, new page on the podcast and appreciate our mugs. Yeah. All right. Well, good to have you, Ian. I hope you had a good week. What have you been up to? Uh, Well, I've been doing a fair bit of writing uh, recently.
1: And um, yeah, there's been some good stuff, which I've been uh, binge watching as well, which I'll get to a bit later on. But yeah, it's been good. And also, of course, we're in the middle of the Melbourne Writers Festival right now. So, had a couple of big
0: days out there. Fantastic. We'll talk about that. Ever so shortly. But first let me introduce our guest, uh, Laura Woolett. Hi. Glad Hi. to have you.
2: Thank you. Glad uh, to be here.
0: How has your week been?
2: Um, well, pretty busy because my book came out on Monday. Uh-huh. And, um, prior to that I had Melbourne Writers Festival and I had an event at the festival. So yeah, it's kind of, things are starting up with Yeah. Yeah, all the publicity. Kicking and, up. Yeah.
0: But this is not your first rodeo with publishing.
2: Um it, it, it kind of feels like it is, like, yeah, yeah, because it's bigger experience. Big, yeah, bigger yeah. book and
0: interesting. There you go. Is will there be a time where, Neil, like Neil Gaiman, you would have done enough signings that you would have to put your hand into an ice bucket every time?
2: <laughs> um, that sounds painful. I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe. Yeah, that mm. was
0: that was really interesting to watch. He just mm-hmm. like gives an exasperated sigh after he's done the, the <laughs> signings and just like sinks his arm right up to the elbow because it's just throbbing with pain. There you go. It's a good pain, though. Yeah. It knows you're more successful than like 99% of everybody else on Earth. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Not many people can relate to that. Kind
1: of <laughs> passion, yeah. except for those... I feel
0: so bad for Neil Gaiman. The only time I think I has experienced that is uh, doing a three-hour exam or something. So, yeah. yeah. That's all right. That's fine. Um, talking about that, mm. um, we're talking about handwriting before the show, Ian. Mm. Your handwriting's really bad. Um, so oh. So is mine. Yep. Um, so is mine. Uh, yeah, excellent. I think is it because we don't do a lot of handwriting, or is it because we do too much handwriting and then we don't care about how it looks on the paper?
2: Um, I I do a little bit at work, but other than that, I all my actual writing I do on the computer. Like, That's right. I just don't can't even read my handwriting a yeah. lot of the time, sir. So. Mm. I I
0: so I keep this. I do this journal and I just write whatever comes in my brain. And mm. yeah. the thing is, mm. what I do during the the journal, mm. I look back and I'm like, I don't know why I write this down. I'm never going to read this again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, There's something to be said about writing something down though.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've, I've always taken notes during lectures. I mean, I was, I was at the very end of paper notes during university, you know. Mm. So, probably the last person in New Zealand writing handwritten notes.
2: Well, I, I, I used to write by hand at uni just because I couldn't be bothered lugging my mm. laptop. Yes, you know? yeah. so, exactly. That's exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I like did. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. Everyone around me would be using computers, yep. but I was just like, not nah.
0: Exactly. No, mm. I had the same experience. Everyone was like right up against the wall. They're like, where's the wall socket? And I'm yeah. just like, nah, paper. Well, there's also
1: something to be said for, for being analog in a digital world. And I mean, I know getting a little being bit a hipster. deep here. Yeah, it's a bit. Well, this is the thing, right? I mean when we had people saying that ebooks were going to be the death of the physical book oh, yeah. we know you know we now know that's not true yes uh, scaremonger it's the same i think with um you see kind of i feel like it's been a bit of a rise reflex as well.
0: is going to go out of business yeah <laughs>
1: absolutely right no one is mm-hmm. paper anymore but yeah. you know i think there's something cool about that tactile sense of seeing what you're writing and for me especially mm-hmm. when i'm generating ideas there's nothing better than writing yep by hand
0: completely agree Hmm. so let's jump right in and talk about instead of the news section since the news is basically in melbourne anyway Hmm. the melbourne writers festival yeah why don't we talk about that and to do that, I'll just give it to you, Ian, and just take over this section because I wasn't there. Yeah, no, that's fine. So
1: I'm—I I'm know I'm the person who's clocked the most hours there. Uh-huh. Um, I'll be interested. The, to you unlock the achievement. Yeah, um, I'll be interested Ding. to hear a bit more about uh, Laura's experiences as well. Mm-hmm. But I um I headed along to a, an editing workshop, which was a lot of fun. Um, and that was with uh, John Freeman, and yeah, that was really great. He edits uh, Freeman's journal, which is uh, based out of New York, and yeah, that was really interesting. It was thankfully not a how-to, because I think most people weren't there for a how. It was more of a philosophy. And uh, he said a couple of lines that stuck in my head, and I got a few out of various things I went to, like, you know, writing the undead, um, hearing various authors. But a couple of things that stuck out to me, I liked when he said, um, uh, push the thing that hurts the most uh, in order to get some depth. And I kind of like that way Mm -hmm. of phrasing things. And uh, also, we were talking about reading widely uh, for authors to make sure that, you know, you you keep up your craft. And I I like the way that he put it when he said that uh, it's important to read widely so that you develop a muscle memory. For okay. sentence structure. Yeah. Um, so, those were a couple of cool things that I figured out. Um, so, how did you find it, Laura, being there?
2: Um, well, basically, I, I had my own event where um, it was 10 o'clock in the morning. Yep. So, first thing in the day. And um, I it did a reading and also a bit of an interview with yep. um, staff from readings. Mm-hmm. But um, Liam Piper, who's also just released a book... Um, Yep. was yeah on stage right before me. So I saw him speaking as well, which was mm. pretty interesting. And um, yeah, I read his book a couple of weeks ago and yep. it's pretty interesting, pre- pretty dark in some ways. Um, yeah. it, it's um, got a plot which is set in Nazi... Germany, concentration mm-hmm. camp, but also um, mm. a modern-day story alongside it um, of mm. the grandson of um, the guy. And th- there's a big twist at the end of the book, which I won't give away, but hey. um, I- even though I don't mind spoilers. But <laughs> 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 That's yeah. okay. Um, yeah, I, I would recommend it. It was a good good read.
1: Um, and can I ask, did it feel a little surreal getting up there or do you, did it feel like, yeah, really natural and you were really into it?
2: Um it didn't feel really natural. I, I always get nervous, but um yeah. I, I think it was okay. Like it, it wasn't my first time being on stage. I have done yeah. a panel before, yeah, but yeah. um and it was not a huge crowd or anything, so mm. not not um too daunting, but
0: yeah. yeah. The the interesting thing that I've noticed about performance mm. is you start whatever you're doing mm. um and the first fifteen or ten minutes mm. is the mm. hardest. Yeah. And okay. once you're through that, it's yeah. just like I could do this all day.
1: Yeah. It's it's those initial nerves. Yeah. Um, I, I have one, one other thought as well about the Writers' Festival. I feel that it should, the one thing that should be banned at the Writers' Festival, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not much for banning things, but uh, putting your hand up uh, when people? it's question time. Oh. Yeah, people, maybe. <laughs> but putting your hand up when it's question time and saying, I actually have two comments or I oh just have a statement. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, oh. <laughs> both of those things. Should be completely
2: banned.
0: You know, when people say I just have a statement, yeah, it's like, like people should just run. They're like, we're <laughs> yeah. not gonna like this, guys.
2: Well, I actually used to work as an usher at the Wheeler Centre, so <laughs> nice. the person who holds the microphone. And yep. sometimes you would get those people. Did you pull just... the microphone away? No, slowly? Like, you, you just have to hold it really awkwardly and be like, oh, I'm letting you talk, even though you probably shouldn't be. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you probably
0: shouldn't be given yeah. a stage. Yeah, out of respect, I yeah. will. I will hold this out of going. the freedom of speech. Keep yeah, going, going, I guess. Yeah.
2: The, the other thing I hate is. The people who just start asking asking questions before the microphone comes to them oh. and like the person on, on stage can't hear them the audience can't hear them it's yeah, like yeah enough. so full, yeah. full how discussion.
1: was your book I did that <laughs> oh, I'm super that. awkward Aww. I know it, I've and I, the worst thing was as it was happening I was like I'm that guy I'm that guy and I still did it <laughs> and then I actually said into the mic I was that guy I'm sorry I think I made it even more awkward <laughs> worst thing that was being recorded for the radio oh my
0: so goodness. now everyone knows that I'm that guy that's why the morning bell has you we just take in the, the lost lambs of the yeah. of the radio world. Cle- <laughs> That's Clearly. All right. Clearly, thank you, Joe. We got you. Um, y- curious thing, talking about uh, asking questions. I was at a Mesopotamian exhibit at uh, the museum a while back. Mm. I know, weird, um, but it's cool. Actually, it was really good. It was a very good exhibit. Anyway, there was this presentation, and uh, uh, the the professor was going through his notes or whatever, and he opened up to Q and A. Mm. Now I feel. This is just a statement. Maybe there you go. I'm making a statement. You shouldn't let people ask questions at like something that takes a great amount of like learning and education Mm. and just like being there and like digging in. Mm. And then some person gets up and be like, you know, actually, these are the three reasons why you're wrong. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, please. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Talking about that. Here's another cool story for you. Um, I've just I've just got them all today. I was reading this uh <laughs> this article talking about um the, the, we were looking at, at the topic for today about anti-heroes and just mm. the idea of mm, mm. bad people being central characters and I was reading this article um it's a good article I feel like it it wasn't talking so much about the anti as as much as it is about just um culture in general which is fine it was a good article mm. uh in the end however one of the, <laughs> this is best this is people on the internet learn this lesson yep. this person was like let me do an fa and tell you why you were wrong in this article and then you know he lists all, yep. all of it oh my goodness and then <laughs> the reply to that from someone else thank thank goodness the author never responds to these comments <laughs> good uh and then uh this guy responded and said Wow, you you know a lot apparently. Why weren't you asked to do this article? <laughs> and then the thing that the thing that tops it all was he responded was, Well, actually I've been considering setting an application in.
2: Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh. <laughs>
0: oh. Well he's he's a shoein. Definitely totally hired. Yeah. <laughs> the Atlantic will take him or you know, whatever that I'm um, sure they will. <laughs> yeah. That that was really awkward. Anyway, moving on to <laughs> things that hopefully will be less awkward is mm. the media section. Mm. Uh Ian, you've been watching a lot more than I have. About a particular show, so why don't you yeah, get
1: well, started? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's probably one show to, to point out immediately, and that's Stranger Things. Uh, so I've been watching a few shows, got three on the go at the moment. Um, one's about to wrap, so The Night Of, uh, mm. which has been really cool. Uh, we were watching that. Um, also, Mr. Robot, we're just into the second season yep. of that. And uh, finally, Stranger Things. And Stranger Things, when it came along, was kind of like putting the brake on everything else because mm. it's just so engaging and so gripping. Uh, that's yeah, that I just had had to keep going. And um now I know that I mentioned earlier, Jolie haven't started this. Laura, you've are one episode in.
2: Oh, uh, three episodes three in three episodes <laughs> in. Yeah. Wow. Um so far it hasn't really gripped me. I don't really know what the hype is Ooh. all about yet. And I'm like, There you I, go. I'm just expecting it to get better at some point. The but, um, contrary like, opinion. Yeah. I like oh, this. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's that's a plot twist in itself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I I have I think for me, so it's it's something that's gonna grab for for me as a uh Thirty plus male. It's it's the nostalgia that caught my attention first up because you know they've they've even yeah I'm I just me the ancient of days but Uh it's uh, the um the the use of really they're they're not even subtle i think the Mm. the um the guy the brothers who created it are not even subtle in the way that they reference their sources you know it's it's designed to feel like you're watching something like et or Mm. um or that kind of throwback stuff and they even use the same font for stranger things that stephen king had in his books in the 80s um so in that sense it's kind of got a hook to it which gets your attention um yeah and it's it's a really it's it's really good i think and I read an interesting review of it, which I think sums it up for me, is that it, it's greater than the sum of its parts. Like, on its own, mm-hmm. it's good, but I think all put together, it really works well.
2: Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I did like the style of it, and I think it has... Yeah, it's mostly style so far. It seems like mm. style over substance in some ways, yeah. and none of the characters have really gripped me. The script the dialogue doesn't seem that great. But mm-hmm. um yep. I, I do see how there's intrigue and I think that will grow and um as I keep watching it and yeah. suspense and um Will you
0: keep watching it? Do you think it's got enough to hook you in for the rest of the season? It, it's
2: got enough to hook me. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, if only just because I really want to see what all the hype is about. Yes. But, um yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think it's nicely filmed and I, I, I like that it has a style and it knows what the style is kind mm-hmm. of thing. But um Yeah, just none of the characters really are memorable and I think that's important to me when I'm watching something, so...
1: Interesting. Yeah, yeah. There you no, go. That, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think you, I would agree the scripting isn't the strongest, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I, abs- I think I really love just the whole the, the whole package for me worked well. And, you know, recently as well, there has been a bit of a move in television. I was reading a bit on this uh, as well, that uh, towards the kind of long, long-form storytelling. You know, so mm-hmm. we've had, yeah. and we're going to talk about, I'm sure, a couple of shows uh, like Breaking Bad, which went over several seasons. But mm-hmm. that long-form uh, character building that you can do in uh, – in kind of a, a, a long-form storytelling. Sorry, I'm repeating myself. Anyway, the long-form. long, the long form, a Several episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, on a loop. Uh, several, several episodes. You can kind of build characters like that, but without going to the point that it has to continue on for series after series and get mm-hmm. stale. And I really like that. And it's something that there's a contained story in Stranger Things, which I think is fantastic. And um, that's, I think, all to the better. It's the same thing with The Night Of. It's a one-off series. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually The Night Of, for me. Uh, have either of you seen The Night Of? No, I nope. haven't seen it. It's it's not bad. It certainly started out a lot stronger for me than it's been. I've got one episode to go, gonna find out how it all resolves. Mm-hmm. Um but I really it hasn't gripped me. Um and mm-hmm. it, the first episode was fantastic, great setup and I was like, I could see how they're setting everything up, but for me it really doesn't feel like it's um I
0: I, I didn't grip me in
1: and, and uh make it believable for me. So
2: Okay. Mm. There
0: you go. Um interesting thing, uh with Stranger Things, is it a um without spoiling too much, <laughs> uh I guess is it a self-contained story that has a definite ending? But is, you know, it's obviously a TV show, which means that they probably want to make a second season out of it. Mm. But is does it have a definite ending? Well, they've they've left it open,
1: and okay. um, this is this is the thing for me. So you've talked about you've mentioned um, intrigue before, um, Laura. And uh, once that intrigue's gone, what have you got left? And that's that's I think yeah. what bugs me about the second series because I'm like, well, you know, they re- they reveal everything pretty much by the end of the season mm-hmm. and what really had me at the first is you're like what is it what's going on and once you start once you know what's going on mm-hmm. the, the the fear factor especially for yep. something which is you know horror light i guess is that a yeah. thing you probably call it horror light <laughs> yeah. um you know uh it, once that fear factor is gone you know what it is it kind of it loses something special it's that anticipation you have and then once that anticipation is gone you know mm-hmm. uh Where's there to go? So yeah. I'm interested to see where it goes. I guarantee you they'll end up doing a second season. Okay. I I just it's made too much money not to. I would be happy if they didn't. I mean, I'd be totally happy with them because they leave some things open. Be ended. the one off.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one off would be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? I think um, it's it's that dilemma, isn't it? If you show the monster, well, it's a monster, I guess. But <laughs> if you don't show the monster, your imagination does all the work for you, and that's, it's just that's like exactly it. Mm-hmm. I will not watch the show anymore. Um, yeah. Uh, there is a show that I do want to catch up on, and that is uh, Penny Dreadful, mm. um, being a show that I really enjoyed simply because gothic horror isn't done a lot, um, because it's squeamish, I guess. And I'm very squeamish when it comes <laughs> to horror. Like, uh. I will I will yell. Um, <laughs> I I will yell. Uh, but it's more of the huh kind of yell. Not um, not so much the huh. Kind of yell, which I do as well. Okay, Uh, but it depends on the show. With 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 Penny Dreadful, though, it's that kind of show that has a really interesting character arc. But it feels like they do this loop um, where the character sort of goes back to square one. At but like a, a, a particular character, Vanessa. Um, Mm. she's troubled, uh, by these supernatural forces. Mm. Uh, and you're like, Oh, she's, you know, she's, um, resolved these things and now she's a normal person. Oh, and, and she's back and the demons got her again. (laughs) Oops. Right. That's the kind of problem that I'm in. So I haven't started season four. I think it is. Mm. Um, I just want them to do something else where they make somebody else, the demon. Um, that'd be nice. Uh, What I've been watching is uh, Hail Caesar. Uh, So I'm a big Coen Brothers fan, and I suppose take what I say with a grain of salt because of that. (laughs) Um, They're the kind of directors which I suppose are woefully self-indulgent in their own um, style of filmmaking. And I -hmm. think Hail Caesar is the most indulgent they have been so far, uh, because really, um, as I was uh, talking before the show, if you're not Raised on 1950s, post-war Hollywood, epic, uh, you know, <laughs> very propaganda-esque uh, American films, mm. you probably won't like this movie. I was, <laughs> yeah, and I love it. Right. It's so good. It's amazing. And it's simply because it's at once a spoof. It's as once making fun of as much as it is revering those films and being like, man, weren't those days great? but they mm-hmm. suck too. It was like, it's one of those kinds of things, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I I get why people don't like it because again, it's the comedy that's very self-indulgent. Ian.
1: Well, it's interesting and, and maybe you've hit on something which ties back to the Stranger Things piece and, and Laura, what you were saying about mm-hmm. not finding it so gripping. For me, I was raised on that kind of that 80s feeling on the, uh, the, the kind of um, the ETs and mm-hmm. Hook and things like that. Yeah. So <laughs> as soon as I see that, I instantly kind of uh, revert back to feeling at home yeah so I'm wondering whether that's it do you think there's a there's a type which would really grab you for nostalgia
2: um I don't know I'm thinking of like but Mad Men is good on its own but I, I, I do mm. love the 60s yep. and stuff so I think anything with like hippies or yep <laughs> yeah yeah would, would probably grab me but um mm. yeah I, I think everyone has their styles that they like and yeah. they're just like I'll, I'll I'll watch anything that has this yep. you know exactly <laughs> so
0: as, uh, Ian, have you or Laura, you've not seen Hail Caesar?
2: I haven't seen it yet. Okay,
1: no. no and I can't say I'm a massive Coen Brothers fan, <laughs> uh, yep. just quietly. Oh, okay. um, and I, as I was reflecting on that earlier, mm-hmm. I think it's primarily because of that, uh, that self-referential kind of uh, deal, which I think it just... How, it depends. I'm, I totally understand, uh, Joel, that you, you were raised on that and you love it. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't something which really gripped mm-hmm. me um, with, with the Coen brothers. I, the only thing I've kind of enjoyed of these has been after reading, but mostly mm-hmm. because of Brad Pitt. Yeah, being quirky. Being
0: hilarious. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Anyway, yes, Ian is a pro- uh, probationary uh, co-host, and uh, <laughs> we'll be reverting back to Luke uh, ever so shortly. Thank you. Uh, I love it when people disagree with me. <laughs> it's been fun. Thank Great. you. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, yes, Hail Caesar, I think it's a good movie, but it's definitely not for everyone. I will say of all their movies, this is the one that's probably going to get the most dislikes. Okay. Um, again, woefully self-indulgent, but hey, I like that kind of thing. Um, Laura, what have yeah. you been watching?
2: Um, movies or TV shows or... Anything. I, I feel really lame. I've just been watching Gilmore Girls, like, nonstop for the past oh. two oh, months. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, how has that been? Um, well, I, I didn't watch it all the way through as a teenager. First time, I, yeah. I, I watched it a little bit, like, on and uh-huh. off. But, um, yeah, actually, like, binging on it now, which wow. is kind of fun. So,
0: second time through, does it hold the same... Yeah. Well,
2: no, because I've never really seen it all the way through. I've just seen bits and pieces. So, mm-hmm. it's okay. actually, yeah, getting the full story. Yeah. And um, I, I like it. I kind of... um. It, it's very much like every character speaks the same. Like, just the oh. dialogue is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's just like um, <laughs> these aren't real people. This isn't a real town. Yeah. It's just nothing very realistic <laughs> about it. But it's fun. So, so yeah. yeah, what
1: is what is it about it? Because for me, mm. all, whenever I think of Gilmore Girls, I just think of what you were talking about—the of the voices, and I can I can hear it in my vo in my head. Yeah, that that way, and it, it just I could never do it. What do um, you think it is?
2: Well, I feel like now. It goes back to that self-referential thing, actually, because um, uh, I, I am actually getting the references to the the movies and the pop yeah, culture, okay. which I yep. didn't actually get as much when I was a teenager, right? I'm watching it back in the early two thousands, but um, hmm. yeah, and I, I find it clever. Like even though the the dialogue, like no one speaks like that, but it's funny, and I'm like, oh, I wish someone would write my <laughs> my actual dialogue and have me talking like a Gilmore like, oh, Girl, because like, you know, I, I would impress everyone with my banter. <laughs> <laughs> That's You're what it is wishy like. Banter. It's yeah. like like non
1: stop banter, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, that's fine. I maybe I have to give mm. it a go because I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure my wife is gearing up to do what you're doing, <laughs> okay? Yeah, um,
0: yeah. so yeah, mm. I'm, I'm gonna have so, to hear it. <laughs> so, for someone who's an alien to this, um, mm. is it, what, what's the premise? Exactly?
2: Um, basically, it's a mum and a daughter, and they're like best friends, uh-huh. basically. But, yeah. um, the mum had the daughter when she was 16, so there's a 16 year age gap between uh-huh. them, and um, the daughter's really bookish yeah. and nice and the mum's a bit more flaky but um yeah. and they live in this like really ridiculous town in connecticut <laughs> i think yeah. um and it's just like full of like weird eccentric people who are like ex-hippies or yeah. e- ex like broadway yeah stars. they just and, end up there <laughs> yeah so and, um, yeah and I, I, the daughter like ends up you know going to Yale, but um, she goes to a fancy school and like mm. they have these really rich grandparents as uh-huh. well who are kind of strict, yep. but actually warm hearted when you get to know them. Oh. <laughs> mm. I, I don't know. It's very, very light. Are there
0: horses yeah. involved?
2: No, there's not. But actually, I, I did watch another TV show, which was the most wholesome thing I've ever mm. seen. And it was about horse people in Canada. Oh, wow. It's, oh. Called, it's called Heartland.
0: I think I've seen this. Yeah. Is it the guy... He has this horse, <laughs> and he's like really close to the horse. Is no, that the... no, it's no, no. Um... Okay. all right. <laughs> John, Sorry, that's what something else <laughs> entirely. It <laughs> was the Continue, horse. Continue, Laura. Yeah, Go please what? tell us yes. more.
2: It's a girl whose mum is a horse whisperer, and then um. Oh. Well, the, that sounds the, so the, wholesome. The mum, <laughs> the mum dies. And I'm then, so into this. Like they, yeah. they just um. There's a grandpa, and his name's Grandpa Jack, and oh. he's just really like stern and cowboy like so, this cowboy guy. Sounds
1: but, amazing. Yeah. Does it, the mum become a horse or anything like that? No? No, the daughter oh.
2: just like gets <sighs> her cutting. horse whispering skills. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. She, she's like 15, but she's like a magical horse whispering girl. And Sound, yeah. Sounds nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I I didn't watch it all the way through. It was a bit too wholesome for me. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But
0: did you say it was too wholesome for
2: you? Too, yeah, wholesome. Okay.
0: Yeah. Sounds shit. wholesome. <laughs> I like it. Yep. Making mm. up for the Luke quarter on this show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, for those who are wondering, no, it wasn't some weird thing I watched. It's actually a documentary about uh, this guy mm. who became really close to his horse <laughs> yep. and left his wife for the horse. Okay.
1: okay. So
0: let's leave it at that. All and right. We'll let you do the research on great, this story. Great note to I think they on. end up together again. Yeah, but, but before the that, included. they were just horsing around. No, no, no. no <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Come on, that wasn't Good. Good. Sorry. Good. I like that. Let's move... Sw- yeah. fleetingly on. That's good. Hoof um, Yeah. Let's hoo- <laughs> <laughs> Let's just stop. Okay. Stop. Sorry. Um, let's get straight into the topic for today, and let's about basically antiheroes. And mm. within um, literary circles, and just literature in general... Mm-hmm there's always been exploration of everything. We talk about everything. We write about everything because asking questions is kind of the heartland of what literature is all about. Um, so it's no surprise to us, I suppose, when we have dark characters or characters that have ambiguous moralities. Um, within popular media, however, um, it's, it's been interesting to watch its progression from an idealistic viewpoint of the... the. Um, the hero being, you know, the perfect, uh, the epitome of perfection or the ideal, something mm. that we want to strive toward not look at reality. And now we've sort of moved towards this gray middle ground where it's, well, life isn't as simple as that. And there's a lot of complexities mm. to that. And we have characters, um, like we see in Mad Men who they're basically old, terrible people pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Breaking Bad, uh, the the main character in particular. We have, um, I always forget that show now, The Motorbike Gang. Oh, um, Sons of Anarchy. Thank yeah. you. Anarchy. There you yep. go. Yep. Um, Sons of Anarchy and Game of Thrones. And it's just... The list goes on. The list will never end, pretty much. <laughs> um, and the ideal hero is pretty much lost in all of this. And I'm interested in finding out why is it because we've we we know enough about reality to be s- kind of skeptical about it that we've reached a point where the innocence is lost and we're exploring characters that are what exactly so I guess um, uh, Laura's book, uh, The Love of Bad Men, it's a book that describes people of definite <laughs> amb- <laughs> ambiguous morality <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and. I guess each of the characters caught up are either willingly um, participating in it or um, going along with it just because they have to or because they see no other way out or mm-hmm. um, for various reasons. But let's just start off with you. What do you think? What do you think about these characters? Um,
2: Yeah, I think like the anti-hero, it has become the norm. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I don't really see how we're going to come back from that because it is, mm-hmm. yeah, just a willingness to look at complex characters more than anything I think mm. um but yeah I, I do wonder if the anti-hero as we know it is kind of coming to an end because I, I just feel like mm. um with tv shows and stuff people are getting bored with the typical anti-hero mm. guy who is just you know going through an existential crisis and <laughs> drinking and like you know being an asshole and mm. pe- yeah. people get sick of that and I think um just looking at like earlier seasons of Mad Men compared mm. with like how people responded to the later seasons and it's just like, not too much of the same thing. And yeah, yep. Yeah. So yep. I think people do want something more than that as well. Like, um but yeah, at the same time I don't think we can go back to an innocent kind mm. of hero mm. who's just a good guy because yeah, just too simple, I think. Yeah. Mm. <laughs>
1: So it's an interesting one as well and I think it. it uh, if I can get a little philosophical as I like to do it it also kind of mirrors the changing of generations I think what we're talking about now yeah. and uh, if you think about the transition from modern to postmodern thinking uh from a world where we had uh, in the western world especially where we had quite rigid uh social structures and things like that and now we see we're moving into a much more fluid kind of society um so there we go that was my deep philosophic (laughs) moment um you kind of see that mirrored i think in what people are willing to read as well and what the appetite is for and what Mm -hmm. they're willing to watch um and, like, if you were in the 60s, if you were to bring out something like Game of Thrones, <laughs> people would be saying it's so indecent, you know, you'd be thrown in jail. But, you know, it's a, it's a very different world. Um, but I agree. There's also a point where the antihero, it can only be taken so far. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason why, you know, we've talked about Breaking Bad before in terms of characters. Um, I think the reason why Breaking Bad was so gripping is the, is the transition of a good man. Um, yeah. Or a man that we can relate to and seeing what it took to, to break him and what it takes for him to break down. And even though there were signs of that at first and early on in the series, you know, as mm-hmm. he goes along, as his, his clothing gets darker, his mood gets darker. Mm-hmm. Um, and you really start to see a man who's changed and become the anti-hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guy who we didn't quite like at the beginning of, of the show in and, and Hank becomes actually quite, quite
0: surprisingly, becomes quite likable. So mm-hmm. that kind of arc is, is quite precious. Yeah. Um. It's curious as well because in um, going back to a nice segue, uh, mm. the nineteen fifties to sixties Hollywood mm-hmm. um, is all uh, about that ideal, um, usually male character yeah. mm-hmm. um, of uh, what we should strive for. Um, mm. The redemption story. Uh, characters never go bad; they only ever go good. Um, mm-hmm. There's a uh, there's, there's a thing that's interesting as well that I suppose where we look at and we think, well, what is the purpose of media or literature? Is that mm-hmm. our responsibility to guide people towards <laughs> the light? Or is it to, you know, reveal the darker inner machinations of people, which yeah. I think mm-hmm. we're doing a lot more these days. Yeah. yeah? Um, and I think there's there's a there's a truth
1: in the antihero that people relate to, mm-hmm. um, and it's it, as with any character, it's when you stop believing it that you kind of write it off, and maybe mm-hmm. that's the thing with, with Don Draper towards the end. People are like you know, could you still be that much of a jerk? <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever. Um, and for me, I mean, I I made it through a couple of seasons of say. Um, ball empire mm. and then i kind of had enough of beatings and gangsters and stuff like that and i said okay yeah. i'm, I'm kind of done i just came back for the last episode uh, to see how it all wrapped up but yeah I, th- I think that that it's that truth that we relate to and that truth is that we're not perfect and we make mistakes and mm-hmm. i can i can relate to you you know when you maybe not when you stab that guy but, you know, i can i can relate to you in terms of making a mistake
2: yeah but i think maybe people want to see change as well yeah. when they're watching uh, a character over such a long period of time like you know badness and flawed characters are fine but you you do Mm. want to see
0: the redemptive arc at times yeah i think that's that one of those neo-romantic age that i think will probably break over the horizon yeah um there was this show uh that we like to use as the punching bag on on the (laughs) podcast which was uh the bastard executioner um, written by the same writer um, as sons of anarchy and where he found success with that show this one (laughs) he found failure oh my (laughs) but it's one of those shows that's a really good example of badness for badness sake yeah it was let's make this character do horrific things (laughs) oh gritty and I think that's sort of an adolescent Yeah. Badness. It's like, ooh, mommy won't like me getting into the cookie jar. It's like obviously a child doesn't speak in that voice. That'd be weird. Um but it's that kind of thing where it's you're doing bad things just because it's bad. And Mm -hmm. you know, that's that edgy um coolness Mm -hmm. in being bad. Um and I think there's a slight for me anyway, I feel I'm indisposed to not like that just Mm -hmm. by default. I like Mm -hmm. a character arc. And I like it too, like You know, the Don Draper idea. Like, Mm -hmm. I've watched most of season one. I haven't really continued because it was just like, you know, let's look at Don Draper reading Ulysses or something. I don't know. (laughs) But, like, isn't this contemplative? Mm, Yeah, yeah. Drinking Uh, his whiskey. Yeah. Mm. And I think there was that moment in the first season where he's at, um, is it his daughter's birthday party? Mm. Um, Mm. And... He doesn't say a single word, um, and I and I think, you know, the the, uh, the 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 literary snob in me is like, well, but you don't need to say a single word to see it. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see so much in the man's eyes. Mm. Um, and as much as I love staring at John Hamm, it's just the idea that it eventually gets to the point where it's like, well, you're not doing anything that proactive though. Mm. The character doesn't really change. Yeah. Mm. he just he just
1: stays the same. Yeah, and mm. you do have to wonder how believable that can be when so much is happening to him as well. Yeah. Um, it's it's impossible. Thinking about maybe a slightly lesser case, if I was thinking think about. Um Literature. Um, recently, uh, for some light reading, I've been uh, diving into the Robert Galbraith novels, which has been kind of fun. See, uh, mm-hmm. see J.K. Rowling without it's, it's J.K. Rowling without the magic. So there we go. Um, and they've been interesting. They're uh, but, making those reductive comparisons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the main character, uh, and Strike, he's an interesting guy, but he's he certainly is flawed. So he's not like your traditional detective. Um, if I was thinking uh, back to say or if I think of, say, uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, where uh, you've got a uh, John Smiley who's um, who is completely different, and uh, you know George Smiley. Whoops. Anyway, uh, he's you know he's a lot more kind of vanilla, whereas Cormoran mm-hmm. has kind of darker underworld contacts. He's a bit shadier, and he's not afraid to do that. So I think that what you see there is even in a character that traditionally would be more um, more good, so to yeah. speak, you see someone a, a
0: bit darker, and I think that may be where things settle. But eventually- yeah. Where do you think that middle ground is in the media that you've been watching? Like, what do you think, or mm. reading, what do you think is that nice line where you're like, well, this has got, you know, this is organic, I suppose.
2: Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, I, I, I'm just thinking of, like, Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Like, I feel uh, like, you know, you've yeah. got all these char- characters who are in prison, but um, mm. you see so much of them, you don't just see their crimes or anything, yeah. you know. You see how they react and um, interact with their friends and stuff, and that there's this whole morality system within the prison, which is mm. um, really great. And um, mm. yeah, I don't know if that's a middle ground exactly, but yeah, I do feel like those are complex characters. And, yeah, that's yeah. right.
0: Characters that have a rounded edge.
1: Mm. Yeah. And- it's interesting to think about building empathy for those kind of characters. Um, Did you find, as well, you know, with uh, what you've been writing, did you find that you were building empathy for the characters that you were talking about? Like, how did that work for
2: you? Um, Yeah, like I kind of had to get into their heads. Yeah. And um I, I always had to find, like, an, a sympathetic yeah. entry point because otherwise I couldn't do it. Um, yeah. And, yep. it, yeah, it did make me think, you know... Um, when you're writing these characters, it's like, where where is my moral center? Yeah, yep. you, you just kind of have to throw it away and just mm. go go with you know the character. Go with so. what would happen. Yeah, yeah,
0: mm. yeah. Um, oh. I need to flick to something. <laughs> uh, Ian, uh, yeah. uh, talk to me about your middle ground.
1: My middle ground? Mm. Well, yeah, I think actually Orange is the New Black is, is a very good point. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, because you see the character, and if you were just to see the character as they are in prison, mm. you might not like them, but it's again, it's that empathy that you have um, because you suddenly see, you see how they got to be there. Yeah. And I think that uh, if you let a person speak, and it's like this in life as well, when you sit down and just let someone tell you their story, mm. um, it's... It's very hard to um, to well look. You can still dislike someone, but once you gain an understanding and you gain that empathy, you can at least have an have an understanding of where they come from. Yeah, and uh, especially with Orange is the New Black, uh, the, one of the themes throughout the show is that everything you know life isn't always fair, mm-hmm. and that comes across in the fact that you know people get assaulted and there's no justice for that sometimes, or it's mm-hmm. not justice as you think it should be um so yeah that can be kind of a challenge i one thing i did enjoy actually and i was just thinking um when i when i started reading uh your work laura i, I started reading the first story and i, I um thankfully when when joel flicked me the book i hadn't he hadn't <laughs> given me any breakdown of what i was going to be reading so i didn't know what was coming and when i realized who i was reading about without giving anything away i was like yeah. oh gosh yeah. i didn't ex- i didn't expect this to be a story about an Out of anti-hero. nowhere <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that kind of that kind of interest interested me mm-hmm. um and do you think that the um you know you talk about kind of finding the the happy middle do you think do you think that you found that with the characters as you went
2: um i hope so yeah like, yeah i i feel like some characters more than others probably were more successful but um yep. yeah i i won't say which ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's fine yeah <laughs> um, but yeah i think some of them were easier to get Mm-hmm. A well-rounded picture of, I think, than others.
0: So, so I think when I was reading reading mm-hmm. your book, and by the way, we're not doing this for organic marketing yeah. uh, <laughs> sake. We weren't asked to do this. I just, I was really intrigued by this, and I think it mm-hmm. ties really well in um, the character of Myra and well, the short story. Yeah. is called Myra. Um, I think that one resonated with me the most yeah. because it was the it was the extreme. It it yeah. went it went to a place that I didn't expect it to go simply because I didn't know the actual facts behind the story. And so it was a a pretty new experience. Um, A character whose, uh, I guess, progression into um, the dark or the evil or the wrong, whatever Mm -hmm. that space is. Was that hard to do?
2: Um, I mean, I read a lot on the case beforehand and I I think I got a pretty good understanding Mm. of what kind of person she was. Mm. And, um, yeah, I, I probably didn't find it as hard as I should have. like, yeah. I'm like I, I feel like I should be like, yes, it was really, really hard. You know, it was painstaking. <laughs> yeah, all oh, the
0: sleepless nights.
2: Yeah, I, I think I um, I don't know. Research is a bit of a buffer. Mm. I think it just yeah. armor kind of like you're armed with this information and you just kind of go with it. So
0: your weapons are knowledge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's very true.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. I I like that. And thinking about, you know, so we're talking about something that's very present, we're talking about a book that's come out now, and we're talking about... uh the, the acceptance of anti hero at the moment. And I was thinking back when you know, I knew what the topic would be as to where the first kind of anti hero that I can think of in, say, in film at least. I was thinking, it, this might sound weird, so feel free to disagree with me on this. Mm-hmm. But in Greece, right? Mm-hmm. It ends with one of the lead characters kind of becoming, quote, bad. No one can see me doing air quotes. That's yeah. a good thing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, maybe that's one of the first examples of where it's actually celebrated that someone kind of goes to the bad side.
0: What is that Charles Bronson movie? Um, <laughs> Kind of giving me a Sorry, of I'm giving here. you the weird like <laughs> '80s vibe. Uh, it's okay. It's um, oh my goodness! Some someone will figure it out. He has a he has a mustache. Great, though mm-hmm. he has a mustache in all the movies he's made. So a
1: Charles Bronson movie. It is mm-hmm. a Charles
0: Bronson movie. I think it's Death Wish. Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> totally. Um, and you know he's a straight up antihero. Uh, mm-hmm. but I I'd suppose that movies like that didn't really. They weren't really there a lot. And mm-hmm. when they were made, they were like, ooh, that's, you know, that's yeah. a bit real scary. Uh, mm-hmm. The interesting thing was I read an article talking about um, September 11th and mm. the idea of the effect that an event that happens uh, can impact media later. Mm. So, um, uh, it was basically the idea that explosions or, you know, the, the whole Michael Bay approach of yeah. blowing everything up, which mm. is in your screen, um, it changed. If you look at Independence Day, and I would love to give you a quote for this article, and I'm very lazy and I didn't actually write that quote down. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's basically Independence Day when they're vaporizing, when the aliens are vaporizing people. Mm-hmm. It's just brilliant, um, you know... N- cavalcade of flame down yep. the highway and everyone you know blows up and Spoilers. it's, it's yep. kind of it's kind of don't start in and it is kind of silly and yeah, you know yeah. you look at it today and you're like yeah, it doesn't work like that mm-hmm. um but if you look at um and they were talking about uh, the example of Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. uh the very first i suppose one of the first shots in the movie is the Bruce Wayne character in a suit running down towards this billowing cloud of Mm. ash, no fire, just Mm. ash and smoke Mm. that looked eerily like this, you know, September 11th. Um, Mm. you know, when the smoke, when, when the buildings came down and the, and Mm. the smoke and the ash were just coating everybody. It Mm. was an image that stayed within everybody's minds Mm. and that informed how the tragedy of a circumstance like that to media. Mm. Mm. Um, and, seeing it in that light, and a lot of people say that that was the moment where America lost its innocence. The idea of, a, mm. of, a, of an attack on home soil is very different from saving wars in other countries. Mm. Um, but it's that idea that it, it was real, it was grounded, everyone saw it on TV. And then, mm. you know, in the future, you look at TV, you look at the way um, when buildings come down, and there's a certain gravitas mm. that comes with that, and that darkness comes out of that. Curious thing also, if you look at Superman the original with Christopher Reeve, yeah. um it's a very optimistic movie. It's mm. a movie about Superman mm. who's got no flaws. Yep. Cuz <laughs> yeah. that Superman uh <laughs> saving the world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no nuance to the idea that that guy has any badness in him at all. Yeah. <laughs> look at today's Superman mm. and mm. we have the Forceful gray, dark brown filter slapped in yeah. our faces because, like, no, guys, we'll totally make him real. <laughs> um, and we're Batmanifying, I suppose, these characters. Yeah. And I feel yeah. that's the thing that sticks in my crawl a little bit too much. Yeah. It's that idea that some characters should be optimistic mm. and sh- mm-hmm. some characters should look to the future, and others they can stay in the dark, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. um. Where do, you think, where do you think that is, especially within popular culture today? Do you see a trend going one way or the other? Do you see people rejecting that?
1: Mm, well... I think that in young adult fiction, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, we've been we've been through a period where we've had a lot of vampires. I mean, that was a thing for mm-hmm. quite a while. We've had a lot of, you know, Hunger Games. There's a lot of dystopia going on mm-hmm. um, as well as the uh, the kind of vampire deal. So that's that's happened for a while. And I think the dystopian thing uh, kind of reflects the hopelessness that's been occurring and also uh, with, you know, post-GFC. So you think about the the time frame from when uh, those books would have been written to published. It kind of works out yeah. about there that it would have been... Jet- all the the um, the shock of the GFC and what that's done to people's uh, yeah. psyche. yeah so mm. you can you can see the things that influence the, the the writing that comes out and I think about you know uh, in terms of anti-heroes and just the, the violence of things uh, say Sarah J Maas her books uh, and our Throne of Glass you know there's there's quite a lot going on there uh which is quite hardcore and i think i think things have changed a lot from the days of superman Mm. and that's why people relate to something like batman these days because he's just a guy he has no superpowers and he is flawed as anything yeah um
0: Laura, how much do you see reality informing our media
2: yeah i i agree that, um, but yeah, I'm just curious whether it is gonna get more optimistic after a while, <laughs> just because things can't stay the same you know? yeah and so uh yeah, I do feel like people might get sick of the whole gritty kind of yeah, yeah
0: it's but it's interesting, yeah. it's like um you know we we had we had Vietnam mm-hmm. and then we had the kind of media that came after Nam mm-hmm. and that was you know it was a looking back at at war and exploring it in different ways and, you know, the Mm -hmm. way that Apocalypse uh, now, um, Mm -hmm. people consider it more successful than the the novella that it was based off Mm -hmm. um, simply because it took a setting and and turned it in that way. Um, It's interesting. I think think House of Cards, for me, is (laughs) one of those things where it's like, Mm -hmm. well, you know, the political system, you ever saw something that was, (laughs) you know, and sure, it turns it up to 11. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think people are getting thrown off um spoilers i've got to stop <laughs> just, halfway just uh, uh for people who care ian um but you know uh that that kind of melodrama is attractive to people mm-hmm. that the melodrama yeah. of the dark is attractive i think
2: yeah but i feel like with house of cards as well um his wife is more interesting than him now yes and i think that yeah. um yep. it goes back to the whole thing of people being sick of the Bad guy. Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. people are wanting bad women in some yeah. ways sometimes. But um, mm. yeah, like something that's a bit different, even if it's, uh, you know, not that different. But mm. yeah. exploring
0: that idea within this book as mm-hmm. well. Like, yeah. what what did you think about doing that? Did you think like you wanted people to empathize with them or hate them, or <laughs> did you just want to write a story and see what people decided?
2: Um, I, I did want people to have to empathize mm-hmm. with them to some extent, or at least um s- see humanity i guess yeah um yeah you know i I think you can do both at the same time you can empathize with someone while also hating yep yeah things that they're doing and you know certain things about them but still seeing where they're coming from Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: the and and from a line in your book um those poor sheep though (laughs) And that's the thing that struck me the most. Oh yeah, they're <laughs> <sheep>. <laughs> Yeah, the daft bleating, I think, was the was the line. It was so good. Yeah. It was so good. I think I died a little bit inside. I come yeah. from New Zealand, you understand? So, oh it's yeah, yeah. It's yeah. true. Mm. Um, and
1: <laughs> I'm thinking as well that maybe it's it's a it's a point with um with the antihero where there is a redemptive element that we see. And if I'm thinking about uh, game of thrones which is always a classic to throw to mm-hmm. and we think about jamie lanniston exactly now, the tv show hasn't executed that so well but i recall when i was reading the novels and just when jamie begins to come out of that dark place and you suddenly you find yourself uh not just empathizing with him but kind of rooting for him a mm-hmm. bit you realize mm-hmm. wow there's actually something's changed in this man you know it begins with the spoilers hand uh yep. getting the <laughs> <le> chop um <laughs> you know but then suddenly he's lost part of himself that that Kind of, he begins to question what he's doing and uh, where the books ended. You know, he's he's kind of coming out of the dark place that he went into, um, and that's that's probably something that that strikes a, a happy medium as well. When you mm. when you have a character that's evil and they change, because again,
0: we we believe that. Mm. I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that's a really good point and something to end on as well. I think the redemptive arc for me anyway, is probably one of the more interesting things Mm. because having redemption is very easy going back to 1950s Hollywood (laughs) redemption's all about those movies, right? That's the whole point. Bad characters becoming good or sort of good. Uh, And I think I would like to see that done again, but with Mm. nuance, with more Mm. nuance. And I think, A character doesn't have to reform. It doesn't. Have, they don't have to become all good. Yep. But like Jamie, he still does bad things or mm. things that we can say, oh, that's that's kind of iffy. Mm. But you're on the right track, man. Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what I think is is where I'd like to see see it go. Mm-hmm. Closing comments uh, from you, Laura.
2: Um. Yeah. I kind of agree with that. yeah Yeah.
0: the redemptive arc
2: Mm.
1: i think so and i think i think it's about just maintaining that believability and it doesn't have to be as extreme as uh darth vader throwing the emperor off the edge of the uh (laughs) the thing again spoilers and the death star but you know maybe it is just someone that you say well i can see at least that you turned a corner Mm. um and there's something there which we all hope to aspire to
0: did you just say spoilers to star wars
1: I, yeah, I've got no justification for that. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All
0: right. If it's been 30 years, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's past that day. All right. <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we are now going to shill our stuff to you and tell us where you can buy what we have to offer. Um, mm-hmm. Laura, let's start with you. Where yeah, can people find um, you on social media and what have you got coming uh, yeah, up? Oh, yeah,
2: social media. I mean, I just joined Instagram about a month ago. so um exciting. following. Yeah, Laura Elizabeth Willett, just my name, um... Yeah and my website is com. so easy. fantastic.
0: Yeah. And uh there's a couple signed coffee uh copies of um The Love of a Bad Man in the Brunswick Street bookstore so if you want to come on over and pick yourself up a copy uh, that would be pretty good for you mm-hmm. definitely. Prepare yourself for a bit of darkness though. <laughs> I certainly did. I wasn't I wasn't disappointed. Um <laughs> Ian, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, um, well, you can always connect with me on social media at IHLaking or Google IHLaking, uh, and you will find me. And uh, keep an eye out because I have a novella coming in the next
0: couple of months. That cover's going to be coming soon. There you go. Uh, You can find The Morning Bell, themorningbell.com.au. Like I said, photo shoot. Hopefully, (laughs) we'll give us good photos of our mugs, and it will be on there. So you know what we look like. Well, maybe you can preserve the invisible image of us in your head and not look at it. <laughs> That's okay, too. Um, the Morning Bell has a short story up on their website, and the journal is coming out at the end of this year. The submissions are still open, so if you're interested, give it a shot. Um, you can find me at the Pen of Joel on Twitter and thepenofjoel.com, where I don't write much there, but I will soon. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you on the next podcast.